No driver who won a stage at Darlington has ever gone to victory lane. Truex won them both today. Kyle Larson now two and a half back. Martin Truex Jr. wins the Goodyear 400 at Darlington. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. <laughs> Welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. This week's episode, we are going to be taking a look back at Darlington, talk about how our picks did and the outcome of the race, the fallout from it, and everything in between. We'll break that down before happily moving on to the weekend that's coming up at Dover. We're in my neck of the woods, and we're going to be talking about the track, Monster Mile, breaking down the the track stats and trying to get a grip on our strategy for this week because then we'll get to the winners that we like, the props, the top tens, and the head-to-heads. I was cocky with head-to-heads last week, so we'll try to be a little bit more humble this week as we're making our picks and uh, break those down successfully. And then... Because uh, it seemed to get some good feedback the first time, we're going to be looking at the horse race coming up on Saturday, second leg of the Triple Crown, the Preakness coming up. So we will give a little bit of a preview and thoughts on that for Saturday afternoon. So a lot to get to on this Dover episode of the podcast. But as always, we start by looking back. And in this case, it's Darlington. Wow. Okay. So this race sucked on so many levels from my perspective, but let's start with the bets. We are ice cold coming out of Darlington and, you know, it's really tough to see. I I think the the way that the bets break down kind of help dictate the way I feel about the race. We missed, we went with chalk. Larson was the favorite last week, gave up some odds. You know, he was plus 400 or 450. We gave up some odds there to you know go with him and Truex comes in and he was about the fourth or fifth favorite on the the odds list and he just absolutely dominates so we lose the winner there missed on some top 10 picks and we went 0-3 in the head-to-head section so like I said it was cocky it did not work out I was miserable with this Darlington race the only good thing was our top 10 parlay which we're going to touch on another one this week our top 10 parlay hit so that was the only thing that really went our way last week at Darlington. Um, the race itself, you know, I mean, I said that the way the odds and the gambling breaks out kind of helps me shape my feelings toward the race. But looking at the reaction to people on Twitter, talking heads, everything, you know, listening to the radio, it seems like most people didn't really love what went down at Darlington. Uh, you have a guy who leads over 200 laps, wins the race. That is, you know, just you know, props to them that they were able to go out and do that. I mean, that's something that is interesting to see, and you got to take note, right? We're going to touch on him later on in this podcast. You have to take note. Give credit where credit's due. They went out and kicked ass, but... From a fan's perspective, that was not 
good racing. Um, the, you don't want to see, see, I, I'm a huge proponent. One of the main reasons I'm doing this podcast week in and week out is because I think gambling on this sport makes it so much fun to watch. And Darlington, if this was the first time someone was you know, listening to this podcast, gambling on the sport, watching the race, I don't think they would have gotten that fun experience from it. Because forget about the winner, right? The head-to-head matchups and the top tens, those types of bets still weren't even fun to watch because these guys were spread out. I've actually gotten a little bit into watching some F1, which usually takes place in the morning time. There was one last Sunday morning, and you watch those races, and the guys are separated by 5 seconds, 10 seconds, 15 seconds. Well, I'm watching those races saying, this is okay if you're here just to watch Hamilton take on Max Verstappen each week, but if you're there betting on head-to-heads, these guys are so spread out. NASCAR's nothing like this. Well, turns out Darlington was very similar to that. There wasn't a race towards the end of that race. There wasn't a race on the track until about like 8th, ninth, 10th place. The guys were so spread out in the top five, top 10, it's not even interesting to try to care about those things. So if you bet on that, and then I called out the, the Lee Lap finish bet last week, right? That was a shit show. Only nine cars finishing on the lead lap. That all around is just not what I want to see personally in a race. It's kind of embarrassing, actually. I mean, if you had a friend sitting down with you trying to watch it for the first time, I don't know how you could defend that. The other thing is the ratings came back. We touched on that last week. We were looking to see how that would go with Mother's Day. And they had a boatload of 3 million people tuned in on FS1. That's a big deal. The ratings were way up and it was on cable. So with all of that, it makes you think like how many times or how many people of those 3 million were first time viewers tuning in and how many people were kind of turned off. You know, if you were a Truex fan, you had a hell of a day. Everything went your way. And, you know, again, props to them. But from a racing standpoint, from a gambling standpoint even, like I said, it just wasn't that fun. So I'm down on Darlington, uh, not looking forward to going back there for the Southern 500. But we'll see. Uh, Maybe my feelings will change. I'll have a little bit more time to cool off. Until then, maybe the teams will figure it out a little bit better. The, the only positive is it's such a tough racetrack for the drivers. They're slipping, they're sliding, they're dealing with the track. It is fun to see them do that. But as far as the racing standpoint, there wasn't much of it. And, and they're lucky. Thank their stars that Larson was able to make something out of it towards the end. But even when he got right up there, Truex kind of just hit the burners and, and took off. So, um, hey, I'll get past it. You know, we got a rebound as a, as a podcast, gamble-wise. Let's make some money moving into Dover. So forget about Darlington. We're kicking it aside and now setting our sights strictly on the Monster Mile. So this is, like I said, my neck of the woods from the Philadelphia area. We've got two tracks. Pocono is actually really the one that I uh, have grown up around, um, vacationing up and around that area, very close to it, actually. But Dover is only an hour away from where I live. And have a lot of people that, you know, if there are people in my life that follow NASCAR, they've been down to Dover. And uh, it's definitely a a fun track from what I hear. Haven't been in person at Dover. Pass it all the time on the way to the Delaware Shore Points. And, uh, yeah, so hoping can get a little hometown magic here this week in the gambling picks. Because it's a fast racetrack, mile racetrack, probably the fastest short track 
you're going to find on the, the NASCAR schedule. So looking at the track stats for Dover, 103 races here lifetime in the series. So that's a large amount, big sample size here. So starting on the pole, the winner has started there 13 times. And the last time it happened was a very long time ago, Jimmy Johnson in 2010. That I actually miswrote that in my notes. I thought it was sooner than that, 2010. So, you know, Truex on the pole this week. We'll talk about our strategy, but I'm going to be paying attention to that one. And then starting in the top five, the winners started there 57% of the time. And starting in the top 10, 76% of the time. So pretty standard numbers there, but I'm definitely considering them when we talk about our winners coming up in just a second. Starting outside of the top 20, it's only happened five times where the winner has started way back, and the last time it happened was Tony Stewart in 2013. If you're looking for a manufacturer trend, there really isn't one. It's kind of split up. Um, I guess Toyota, you could make the argument, is the, the manufacturer that owns the track. In the last 10 races, they've won five of them. Uh, Chevy has three, Ford has two. So, you know, like I said, it's not really like they've won five straight or anything but when you're just looking back 10 races their name is there and they've got some guys this week i mean they're definitely the favorite manufacturer even though they have less cars on the track i mean joe gibbs racing is definitely favored when you're looking at the manufacturer or the team bet as well so um, keep your eyes on toyota if you want more uh, drivers for your your bet they might be the, the team to go with there when we're looking at similar racetracks, Darlington is actually one that pops up in uh, most websites where you're breaking down stats as a comparable racetrack. And that's actually kind of scary because of what we just talked about with Darlington. But when we're looking at it from a gambling standpoint, what stares you in the face is Martin Truex. So he's going to be going off as your favorite plus 350 right now. He is obviously the favorite. And last week, we were skittish about the chalk on Larson for the plus 450 number. So now down to plus 350. Um, but it makes sense because of what we saw last week, that team's clicking on all cylinders. He is definitely up there in most stats when we're getting to Dover. So, yeah, I mean, if you wanted to throw money down on Martin Truex Jr., it would totally makes sense to do that. I'm not going to call him out as one of the picks that I have to win the race. I'm going to fade him to win the race. I'm going to try to get him in other areas like head-to-head -head matchups. Not going to touch on one that involves him, but on race day, you could definitely, you know, find me betting on something to do with the 19 car. That's for sure, because in all stats, he's the leader. So with that combined with what we saw last week, I mean, he hit the bet for the plus 650 bet leading stage one, stage two, and the race. Um, that's the first time that's happened all year. So he's obviously got it going on, but it just, I don't know, I'm looking for more value this week. It's very tough to bet on this race because of the non-value really that's out there. You're going to have to take some of the big guns because there's not many drivers that are kind of poking up when you're looking at the data to say, hey, take me, take me. Just Truex is one of them. It's just I'm not feeling comfortable enough with the plus 350 number. I want to get more bang for my buck. Like I said, head-to-head matchups, I'm all over. I definitely want to get some action on them, but not to win the race. So 
trying to go after some different guys. I mean, people that we haven't really talked about a lot recently. I feel like we've talked a lot about Hamlin, a lot about Harvick. We're going to not call them out this week. Doesn't mean I'm not personally throwing a little bit on Hamlin, especially. Um, shit, both of them, honestly, because they haven't won a race yet, and I just know that it's coming. But from a you know entertainment podcast standpoint here, I want to talk about a couple different guys and some better values. So let's get to the picks, and I'm going to start with Kyle Larson. He's going off at plus 450. Now I know that's not a screaming you know huge long shot value, but Larson does stand out to me when we're looking at the stats. And his odds, plus 450, I mean, compared to Truex, you know, not too not too bad. And like we saw, it's really tough to win from the pole here. A bit of a jinx there. Last 20 races or so, it hasn't happened. So Larson starting fourth. He's in that top five bucket. That's a pretty good spot to start from. So he's going off the same value as last week. Uh, but this time, he's the second favorite. He's not the, the head and shoulders favorite above everybody else. Now, he is just the bridesmaid, never the bride, it feels like, in this season and in his career. I mean, he's got a ton of second-place finishes. And at Dover, he's very solid here. So he missed last year's races in his last eight races. We're going to talk, when we talk about Larson, um, I'm calling his last eight races out, but that's compared to everybody else's last ten races. So he's got one win, five top fives, six top tens in those eight races. His average finish in that span is second to Truex. 7.4 is that number. The last time Kyle Larson was on this racetrack, he was taking the checkered flag. So people forget that maybe uh, because of last year and you know COVID made everything feel like a, a million years ago. But he won the last time he was here in 2019. So... You know, that is something that I, it's just kind of like muscle memory. You know, you're coming back to this place and it could just come back to him here. Now, one finish in his eight races outside of the top 12. So he's definitely used to running up front. And when he starts within the top five, like we said, starting fourth, he consistently brings home top five finishes. So maybe that's a bet that you would want to look into here. Uh, Kyle Larson to finish in the top five. You're going to be giving up some odds to do that. But let's take a look at it. I mean, starting fifth, he finished second. Starting third, he finished fifth. Starting third, he finished third. And starting second, he finished first in 2019. Both races in 2019, he was up there. First place finish and a third place finish. So there's a lot of good reasons to bet on him based on his past finishes. His driver rating is third compared to everyone, 105.4. But if you just look at the last two years' worth of data, he's first. He skyrockets up to 122.8. And when you look at the fastest green flag laps here, he's third, again, in six races compared to everyone else's eight races. All right, he's got 230 laps led. That's two races short of everybody else, and he's still third place on that list. 38.3% of his laps were the fastest on the racetrack. Only Truex and Harvick are ahead of him, and those two guys are the only two guys ahead of him in the average running position stat. He's also third there. So very good stuff, and his green flag speed last week, he was third there. So clearly everything's kind of clicking with Kyle except just knocking out victories. It seems like Truax is actually kind of poking his head up to be the, the man with the plan, and this team is just so close. They're on the edge, 
and I could see them going out and winning this race. You know, if you believe in the back-to-back jinx or you believe in the fact that it's really tough to win from the pole at Dover, hey, here's your guy right here staring at you right in the mirror. So give me the five car plus 450, Kyle Larson. Now we got a couple of guys who are a little bit further back, better odds. Both of them are going off at plus 800. Both of them starting within the top 10. So let's start with Kyle Busch. I know some people hate him. Sometimes when I call him out, I do get some some flack on Instagram a little bit. But he got his win two weeks ago. And then last week, he backed that up pretty strong. He had a penalty last week that set him back big time. And he was able to rebound. That team was able to rebound. And it doesn't matter what driver you are, whether you're the good guy or the bad guy or just someone in between. If you're a team that's able to do that and still get back up there and run towards the front, that's impressive. And that's the type of stuff that I want to see because I'm noting that as the season goes by for when I get to a track that you seem to do really well at. So in this case, that's what I'm talking about with Kyle Busch in his last 10 races, one win, three top fives, six top tens. In 2017, he won the playoff race here. Each non-top 10 finish he's had in his last 10 races has been backed up by a top 10. So when he's not doing well, he finishes up next race with a good finish. And he finished outside of the top 10 last fall with an 11th. So if that pattern were to continue, he's definitely finishing in the top 10. Why not a first place finish? His average finish saying the word finish a lot right now, but his average finish is 11.3. That's fifth compared to everyone. And his driver rating is fourth compared to everyone, 100.3. Now, full transparency here in the last two years, his driver rating does dip a little bit. And we usually focus on guys who are on the uptick, but this is where you're able to get him at a decent value here. His driver rating drops to 91.8 in the last two years. That's good enough for eighth compared to everyone. His average running position, sixth, 10.4. So all of that stuff is trying to tell you that Kyle is, you know, very good here. He's in the upper echelon of the drivers in NASCAR. He's not at the Truex Harvick Larson stage when you're looking at these stats that really cream of the crop, but he has performed well here in his career. I can remember a while back, he swept, you know, all three races, I think, in one weekend at Dover. I may be mistaken there, but I'm pretty sure that was the case. Um, So then you look at 2021. His average finish is actually surprising because if you remember, everyone was kind of down on Kyle for a while. Hey, when's he going to get his win? But his average finish is fourth in the last 10 races this year. In 2021, it's 10.0. That's pretty good. His green flag speed has been getting better and better and better. So that's really right on point with someone that we're looking for. His green flag speed last week was seventh out of everyone. Um, So really good stuff. The value is here, plus 800. That's what gets my attention. When you get more, you know, further along than plus 800, you're getting into some guys that are really questionable, tough to make a case for. But I like Kyle Busch in this sense. And, you know, one stat I mentioned, um, the, the fastest green flag speed, He's got the fourth fastest laps run at Dover. 23.6% of his laps were the fastest on the track. So I like it, Kyle Busch, for some good value here at plus 800. Now the last guy we're going to call out is the defending champion, Chase Elliott. So this has been a, a bit of a down year 
a little bit. I think you could say that, right? I mean, Chase, he's just kind of there. You know, last week at Darlington, he was battling Harvick all over the racetrack, but that battle is for like seventh or eighth place. He's not really in it. All three of his teammates have wins. And Dover could be a spot that gives them some light, gives them a little bit of momentum. I'm really, I've got my microscope all over the nine car this week. Um, obviously, I'm calling him out to throw money on him to win the race, but it's more than that for me. I mean, this is a track that I think he can excel at. We're going to be getting into some of the road courses in a bit where he's going to be expected to perform. So it's going to be tough mentally if you're going into those road courses kind of on a down, you know. So Dover is an opportunity to propel him up in there. So if he snags a win here, look out. Now, in his last 10 races, one win, seven top fives, seven top tens. His average finish is fifth compared to everyone, 8.8. His win came in the fall 2018 race. But if you just focus on the spring races, I mean, he got the win in the fall, but if you just focus on spring, his average finish is 6.0. So that's what we're concerned about this week is the spring race. It's been treating him better. He had some really rough finishes in the fall. Uh, I think we had a shifter problem in the playoffs. One time finished 38th and, and another 30-plus finish during that time. So that's why his finish skyrockets when we just look at the spring. So, you know, maybe this is a sign that this is something for Chase this week. His driver rating is 7th, 91.5. Fastest laps on the track. It's fifth compared to everyone. 21% of his laps are the fastest laps. So we're calling out guys here that are definitely fast here. They have the ability to keep the car up there. He's got decent green flag speed the last five weeks in the 2020 season. His last 10 races this season, he's got three top fives, five top tens, and he's ninth in average finish. So that's those stats right there that I just called out for 2021 really sum up what I just said earlier about Chase. I mean, he's Good, not great. He needs a strong run, and this value at plus 800 speaks to me. I think it's something where you're either going to get a boring race like we did last week with Darlington where Truex is going to dominate or, or somebody like that is going to dominate, or it's going to be someone a little bit further down the odds list like an Elliott or a Kyle Busch that could maybe steal the show a little bit and, and show that, hey, they're here also. So mark me down, nine car, plus 800, and that's going to wrap up our winner section this week. Now, is there anyone out there who wants to go fast? Anybody? I want to go fast. So now we're going to move on to the top 10 and props section. We're going to talk top 10s. It's going to be a tough one again this week. Tough sledding uh, with these top 10 sections. But we're going to do our best. And then at the end, I'm going to touch on the championship odds for just a quick second. Because um, some interesting stuff to look at there as well so top tens though that's where we're going to start and had to call out like i said in the intro we hit the parlay on FanDuel for the top tens last week i think it was harvick hamlin and kyle bush i believe were the picks to finish in the top 10 because they just had the most top 10 finishes at darlington and it really worked out for us it ended up being like plus 146. It was, dare I say, easy money, especially with the way that race unfolded with all of those cars getting lapped and only a few cars on the lead lap really solidified for us. 
So we're going to go back to the well and do it over again. Get that parlay cooking once again. If it's not broke, don't fix it. So this week, I'm kind of sticking with the same strategy. Guys who just have a ton of top 10 finishes at this racetrack. So we're going to go with Harvick, Hamlin, and Chase. If you combined all of those guys into a parlay to finish in the top 10, that's going to give you a plus 103 number. Good odds. You know, basically, you know, throw 100 bucks down, you get 100 bucks back. I don't mind that. All three of these guys have seven top 10 finishes. That is very, very good. So I am all over this. You know, I'm sure it's going to not hit. Didn't We're, we're kind of one for one, I think, since we found this bet. Um, so hopefully this week we keep the momentum going. But just very interesting, especially, I mean, that was really the only thing that kept the race interesting to me was seeing if those guys could, you know, hang on. And sure enough, they did, even though the race was boring, it kept it a little bit interesting for us. But when you're looking at the top 10 section, it gets really tough after that. I mean, that's kind of the fun part, right? Because you're finding those big name guys to throw into that parlay. But I, and also I'm avoiding Truex in this one. I said I'm going to take him, you know, in various other bets, but he's minus 650 to finish in the top 10. That's just ridiculous number there it's going to blow up your parlay so yeah you could add him to that group of three but you're not getting much more value i think it drops it to like or or shoots it up to like plus 150 or something like that or maybe a little bit less than that i'm not about that you know if you're going to project five or four guys to finish in the top 10 that's a lot of people to get right so you know minus 650 just isn't isn't in my blood I, i can't do that one um, there are some other guys that we're going to talk about here to finish in the top 10 who, you know, their value by themselves aren't phenomenal, but maybe you add one of these guys and make it a lot more difficult to hit the parlay, but let's get to it because it's tough to find in this section. Historically, we've tried to find guys way down the list, the, the plus 300, it's two fifties. And at Dover this week, it's, it's very tough to do the top 10 section at Darlington. And I think moving forward, you're going to have to get lucky with some of these guys that are you know, off the beaten trail. At Darlington, it was Ryan Newman and Chris Buescher. Both those guys finished in the top 10, and you know those were some pretty big payouts. I don't know. I honestly can't put my finger on anybody like that at Dover. Maybe Newman again. I mean, he's going off at some ridiculous numbers. Suarez is somebody I'm not going to bring up here. He's going off at plus 450. He's got great numbers here at Dover historically, but in order for him to do that, it's going to have to be, you know, just a perfect storm of events that take place. Um, So the guys that I'm actually digging into here, you know, they're a little bit shorter odds. And we're going to start with one guy who has made a name for himself this year as the top 10 king. It's William Byron. He's minus 210 now. And we've been on Byron back and forth for the top 10 bet as this year has gone on. But he's got 10 straight top 10 finishes. This is, you know, giving me shades of Eric Almarola last year. When he was on that run, we rode that wave for a very long time and uh, until it ran out. So going to, you know, continue to bet Byron until this wave disintegrates here, but he's minus 210 this week at Dover. So a little bit pricey. That's why I said he might want to throw him into a parlay. But, hey, you can't argue with 10 straight 
top 10 finishes. Now at Dover, he's got six starts lifetime. Two of them, he finished in the top 10. He finished 10th last spring. And so looking at his Dover numbers, they're not great. It's actually kind of surprising that he's going off at minus 210. It's clearly because of his 2021 season. Because when you're looking at driver rating and average finish, they're all, you know, way down compared to these other guys. And it really does not compute when you look at the odds to what his stats are historically at this racetrack. It just doesn't make sense. So 2021 is what they're looking at for sure. He finished fourth last week. He is fourth out of everyone this year in green flag speed. And when you look at the last 10 races this year in the season, average finish is first out of everyone. He's like 5.7 average finish. I mean, 10 straight top 10s are going to do that for you. But still, I mean, we talk about Denny Hamlin, how he's pointing everybody to death with a bunch of top five finishes. He even beats Hamlin within the last 10 races this season. So very good. His driver rating at Dover, like I said, it's not great. 12th out of everyone. But if you just focus on the last two years, it does go up to ninth compared to everyone out there. So again, I have to take him just because he's on the streak. Um, we, we've hit on him maybe half the time since the streak, but I didn't realize it was this strong. So could be worth throwing in the parlay for you. Uh, if his Dover numbers scare you, maybe you'd be interested in the head-to-head matchup against William Byron, excuse me, against Alex Bowman. Uh, we're all over Byron. He's minus 125 as the favorite against Alex in that matchup. So maybe that is more interesting to you as well. But William Byron, name to watch this week at Dover to see if he can keep that going. Next up, I have Christopher Bell, minus 118. So this is kind of the the, the same song, different day in looking at the projection for his race. So last year in the 95 car, did not have a good season. 22nd place finish and a 27th place finish. Not good. Not good at all. But He's got some history here in the 2019 season. He swept the Xfinity races at Dover. So, you know, don't be discouraged by the 95 numbers from last year because Eric Jones, the 20 car, got some pretty good stats at Dover, and he's jumping into that team in that ride. Now, I heard an interview. One of the things that just locked it in for me this week for Christopher Bell was an interview I heard on SiriusXM where he was talking to Claire B. Lang, who, by the way, is the best. And he was telling her, hey, last week I missed one. Like, I I really felt like we could have had a a much better finish, and and I blew it. So I am locked in, ready to go. They said, you know, what track do you think is harder? And he said, Darlington, definitely harder. Dover is my track. It's got way more grip, faster. It's my kind of deal. And just hearing that, I was like, yes. I was driving my car. I was putting the, the pedal to the metal, just gearing up, listening to it. So I like Christopher Bell just based on you know his mentality right now, the fact that he's taking into the 20 car, uh, his Xfinity history here, and look for him in head-to-head matchups as well. I mean, he's going up against some guys that you might find interesting. Sometimes he's the underdog. Sometimes he's the favorite. Um, I like him to finish in the top 10. I really do. So last guy that I'm going to call out is Ryan Blaney. Blaney's had some rough tracks recently, uh, back-to-back here. And 
Dover is another one where he hasn't been great, but his odds right now are minus 155. That's pretty good for someone like Ryan Blaney. Usually he's, you know, up around 200, 300 marks um, when you're looking at top tens at various tracks. And it's because his history is just not that great. He has two top 10 finishes in his career here. And the last one was in 2018. So it's been a little while. 2020, though, he was in and around that top 10 mark, finished 12th and 14th. So he needs to be better here. Like if you're going to be Ryan Blaney in that Penske 12 car trying to contend for a championship, this is a racetrack that you need to get better at. And I think they know that. So his driver rating, I mean, if you're looking for something to cling to for him, his driver rating is 10th out of everyone. So we're just looking for him to finish in the top 10. Just run your race, man. His average running position is 8th compared to everyone, 12.0. So, you know, he is clearly able to run well here. He just hasn't gotten the finishes that I think we would all expect of him. And if you're betting on him, you would want. So I'm going to take the risk here this week and say Blaney kind of sets himself up for the summertime, minus 155 to finish in the top 10. I think it'd be a nice little parlay to put him and Christopher Bell together and maybe even Byron at the minus 210 number and see. I mean, that's definitely a risky parlay. Um, and you probably wouldn't, the odds probably wouldn't reflect, I didn't do the math on it, but they probably wouldn't reflect as big of a risk as it really is to have those three guys in the top 10. But um, that could be something if you're feeling frisky on race day to, to group up together. Now, I just wanted to have a talk with you about the future bets here for the championship, because this is technically the prop section. And the championship odds are so interesting to me right now, because Chase Elliott, is still the favorite to win the championship. And I know we're calling him out to win the race this year, but he's definitely struggled more than most people would have thought. So the question is, like, why? And I guess they're thinking because of all the road courses that are on the schedule this year, he's going to jump up and snag a few and and really take control of the, the standings. But, you know, he hasn't shown anything like that yet. So you can get Martin Truex Jr. on various sports books for eight to one odds plus 800. Um, I'm seeing him at at 700 in some cases. So that's definitely going to change at some point in the near future. Like especially if Truex goes out and wins another one. Truex is so strong right now and he's at tracks that you're going to see in the playoffs. You know, Darlington, um, is definitely one come later in the, the year. Phoenix, you know, the, the package that they're running, it's same as Phoenix. So you're seeing success for that 19 car. These guys have something locked in. So I think that value is, is very strong for Martin Truex Jr. So if you can see him, I don't know, you know, when you're listening to this, maybe it has changed before that. But I think um, that if you can get him at that plus 800 number, plus 700, that's something you'd want to jump on because the championship odds do not seem to reflect how well some of these guys are running uh, right now. So just wanted to call that out because I'm throwing money on him as we speak. To win the championship, just kind of a, a shot in the dark, kind of like a little cryptocurrency type of deal. You throw something down on it and see uh, what sticks You know, a few months later. So that's going to wrap up the props and top 10 section this week for Dover. Can I do again? Yeah. Can you send my baseball? Sure.
Yeah. Wow. Avoid the clap, Jimmy Dugan. Wow. That's good advice. So we'll finish off our NASCAR picks this week, talking about the head-to-heads, and we're coming off of a rough one. I was so confident last week. I really, really was. I am blown away that we went 0-3. Had some bad luck early with Almirola wrecking. He is um, just killing me, so I'm going to avoid him this week, take a break from him. Uh, and I'm not going to be as cocky, you know, just kind of going about our business, trying to nail down some some good, solid picks. Um, so got some for you here, three to be exact. And these are some matchups that we might not have talked about really all year long. Definitely some guys, some names that we've discussed, but these matchups specifically, I, I can't remember um, getting into. Now, before we do that, I just want to call out, you know, because part of what I like to do is just make people aware of certain betting options that are there for you and came across uh, a site, a different sports books called Superbook. And I clicked on it and downloaded the app. And I just wanted, I always like when I see these new books pop up, uh, I don't even know if it's brand new, but it's new to me. And I always like going to their NASCAR section to see, A, if they have betting on NASCAR, because some of these losers don't, and B, what's it like? And I typically like to use DraftKings just because you can see the head-to-head matchups out there earliest in the week. Well, Superbook, I was there on Tuesday morning, and I saw head-to-head matchups available. And it's different looks than what you're used to seeing. Um, DraftKings usually produce... You know, the head-to-head matchups after NASCAR announces their starting lineups. So the head-to-head matchups are usually around Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday night. Superbooks had their matchups out there that early, Tuesday morning. And the difference here, when I say there's different looks, DraftKings has kind of like, if you see one person's name maybe once or twice. What Superbook seems to have is a lot of the big names, so you're not getting any of the the in the weeds type guys, the back of the pack type guys, but you're getting big names with multiple options to bet against people. So for example, you're seeing somebody like Denny Hamlin going up against Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson, Martin Truex Jr., Chase Elliott, and just like various different opponents in the head-to-head matchups. And it's like that kind of down the board uh, for most of the big name players in the game. So I thought that was very interesting and I figured, hey, pass that information along. Maybe I'm late to the game on this Superbook app, but I uh, figured I'd let you know because I'm definitely going to be looking at them from week to week because it makes you, it gets the juices flowing, you know, earlier. It makes you think about things sooner. So with all that being said, let's get to some of our picks. And I'm going to start with an uh, even matchup here. Eric Jones taking on Cole Custer. Yeah, so we want to talk about back of the pack. These are the guys. Uh, But I've been fading Jones for the last few weeks because of the fact that he's in the 43 car, and I think I'm going to continue that this week. So the starting positions are are something we'll touch on, but in any case, I, I think I'm going to fade Jones. Now let's take a quick look at him. He's got eight starts here, one top five, two top tens. The thing is, that success in that 20 car came kind of in the middle of his tenure in the 20 car. His last three starts were not very good. 22nd, 12th, and 15th. His average finish, because of those success finishes, um, his average finish is 13.0. That's good enough for ninth out of everyone. 
but his driver rating 83.3 pretty solid but it does dip a tiny bit within the last two years to 81.3 so not a huge dip but then you got to take into consideration the fact that now he's in the 43 um, you're probably sick of me saying that each time we talk about him but it's worth calling out because it is a big big difference to go from jgr to richard petty motorsports so he's in lesser equipment now and if he wasn't really getting it done recently in the 20 car i don't know how you can expect him to really go get it done in the 43 he won the best paint scheme last week uh for the throwback weekend and that's about as much momentum as you know you're going to see from eric jones at a non-super speedway track so i'm probably going to continue to fade him now let's talk about cole custer and why i like cole here he's only been here twice in the cup series both races last year but this is a track that he's done well at in his career it's actually one of his best tracks as far as his rookie season was concerned for the cup series so he finished 10th and 11th so a top 10 finish in his rookie year at a track that's kind of notably tough which is pretty interesting here his driver rating even though it's a very small sample size his driver rating is ninth 89.5 that's much better than what we just called out for eric jones and so he needs a friendly racetrack i mean he had a big wreck last week knocked him out and he's going to need kind of what we're saying about chase elliott but just to a lesser degree kind of because there's less pressure on him but Stuart Haas Racing, I mean, it's just so, so brutal what's happening to them. And I put that out there on Instagram that there's a prop bet on DraftKings for the team bet. And you can bet on, you know, JGR, Hendrick Motorsports, or Stuart Haas Racing. But this week, they don't even have Stuart Haas Racing. They just call it Kevin Harvick. And I don't know if that's a mistake or they're really just saying that they disrespect Cole Coster, Eric, uh, Eric Almarola, it's a tongue twister, and Chase Briscoe so much that they don't even include them. It had to be uh, an error on their part, but it's still disrespectful, you know, and it, it kind of fits. I mean, these guys, they need to look themselves in the mirror at some point. So what I'm getting at here is with Custer, this is a track that might be friendly to him. I can remember his truck race. I think it was his first time here. Uh, he was racing for Junior Motorsports, and it was a Friday afternoon race, and I, he was right up there he ended up not getting the victory i was cheering for him he was a no name at that point uh, but he was taking it to him i think kyle bush was even in the race and he was up there fighting for that win um, so it's just a, a race that it seems to come to him this racetrack um, he's starting 30th and that's the problem here with me saying you know i'm gonna go all in on cole custer on this bet it's tough you know when you're starting at a 30th place position at a mile racetrack those guys are gonna be coming around pretty quick so he needs to do his best to get up there and he just hasn't shown that speed this year uh, jones actually hasn't beat in the 2021 season when we're talking about green flag speed and just overall finishing so um it is not a lock but i'm still liking cole custer for everything that we just talked about more of a the intangible type stuff so lock me in for cole custer making it work trying to get back on track doing something because eventually it's going to have to click for this heavy team at Stuart Haas Racing minus 115 in the 41 car now we're going to move on to a different matchup I don't think we've ever talked about these two connected um, but it's an even matchup and for one of these guys it's probably pretty disappointing that it's an even matchup but we're talking about Tyler Reddick versus Kurt Busch we got the young gun 
versus the wily veteran. And Kurt Busch is the one that has to be disappointed if you're looking the odds. I don't know if these guys ever look at the odds. Probably not. Uh, but if you're Kurt Busch sitting in your trailer before the race starts and you see that you're matched up against Tyler Reddick in an even matchup according to Vegas, that has to hurt a little bit, right? I mean, you're Kurt Busch, for Christ's sake. So let's look at his numbers. I mean, Kurt, in the last 10 races, he does not have a win, but he's got three top fives and four top tens. Now, the thing about it is, if you're looking at the 2020 season, he had a 40th and a 13th place finish. So, you know, that's a little discouraging if you're someone who's saying, like, absolutely, give me the veteran. I like it. Recently, it's been a little rough here. He is 11th when you're looking at the fastest laps run here. So he does have the ability to put down some fast laps, and he has done that in his career, but recently it just hasn't been there. His driver rating, this is a, a big one. And, you know, we talked about how Eric Jones had a slight dip in driver rating when we just looked at the last two years. So full driver rating last six years, 80.9. Okay, pretty solid, especially if you're looking at a top 10 or a, a head-to-head matchup. I like a guy with that rating. But if you just focus on the last two years, it drops like a roller coaster. 68.0 becomes his average finish. That's a span of four races. Not good at all. And then the 2021 season. You know, I think these last two matchups, I think we're really focusing on the 2021 season um, just as much as we are Dover. And he has been falling off since the start of the year. I mean, had a, a guess you could say a pretty good start, but just been falling off a cliff. That team has no speed, and it really seems like the team has no fight left in them. You know, it seems like they're just kind of like going through the motions at this point. They have bad finishes. His average finish in the last 10 races this year, 21.6. Only one top 10 in that span. That is not Kurt Busch, right? So then you look at Tyler Reddick. Two starts here at Dover his rookie year last year, 13th and an 18th place finish. Um, His driver rating is 78.9. That's much stronger than what we're seeing for Kurt Busch in that time span, his last two years. So really makes you think, like, do you want to jump on the Tyler Reddick bandwagon, even though there's not a lot of sample size for him at this racetrack? I think that he could get it done. I mean, it's definitely possible in the 2021 season is really where you're looking at Tyler Reddick's stats and saying, wow, he's someone that I'm interested in. So his average finish last 10 races this year, 14.0 in that time span one top five four top tens his green flag speed the last three races he has been very solid and much faster than kurt bush his average finish in that time span is 15.5 much better than kurt running position is 14.7 compared to kurt's 17.6 so this season looking at all of those stats he takes the cake so because of all of that, I'm going to say Tyler Reddick is going to win this matchup minus 115. And if you disagree with me, let me know. But I, I think the stats say it. It's written on the wall. So now the last one that we're going to call out. This is more of a heavy hitter matchup, actually. I'm going to say that we're going in on Brad Kozlowski and Joey Logano. Now, Kozlowski is the favorite in this matchup, minus 125 to Logano's minus 105. And when I saw this on the sheet, I was thinking, okay, I'm not really sure how I'm going to land on this. Now, Brad has some slightly better numbers when we're talking about Dover, but Joey has been better recently. So let's start with Brad. 
His last 10 races, one top five, six top tens at Dover. His average finish is 11.8. Driver rating is sixth, 94.2. Average running position is fifth, 10.2. Fastest laps run, eighth. I mean, really good stuff. He's going off at plus 1,300 to win the race. I mean, if you're a Kozlowski fan, maybe that is interesting to you. His numbers don't scream race winner to me. He would have to really make some strides to, to do that. But his driver rating gets a bit better when you're looking at, you know, the last six years compared to the last two years, slightly, you know, moving up a bit. Now, the thing that scares me with Brad is last week, the fact that this is a comparable racetrack, he was dreadful at Darlington, like could barely get around the racetrack and talk about going through the motions. I mean, that team was just off. So if they are like that again this week, it's going to be rough. He's starting 24th, which is deep in the pack. And so that kind of scares you from that plus 1300 to win the race because of the fact that really no one from beyond 20th wins the race. But again, let's not get too off track. We're talking about just beating Joey Logano here. So what I'm getting at there is Brad's strong at Dover, but you know, last few weeks here in 2021, he's been a little bit rough. Now, Joey, his last 10 races at Dover, one top five, five top tens, similar to Brad. His average finish is 13.9. That just misses the top 10 on that stat. His driver rating is eighth, 90.9. Do you remember Brad's was six, so he's just missing there. And his average running position is 13.7. That's good enough for 11th on the circuit. So Joey, he's got strong numbers, not as strong as Brad at Dover, but his 2021 numbers are much better. In his last 10 races, average finish, driver rating, green flag speed, all are much better than Brad Kozlowski's. His green flag speed right now this year is third on the circuit, 8.6. Gotta love that. Brad's is 12th. I mean, that's a huge jump from Logano to Brad, third to 12th on the circuit. He's starting 13th. That's a pretty big head start for someone who has had more speed this year. So I'm going to ignore the, the slightly better history at Dover, and I'm going to go with Joey Logano minus 105 in this head-to-head -head matchup. Lock me in. I just feel like he's going to kind of be there in that top 10 area where it's going to take a lot for Brad to really get up there and, and show speed and be there. So 22 car minus 105. So just to recap there, the, the full picks, Cole Custer minus 115, Tyler Reddick minus 115, and Joey Logano minus 105. I love it. So now we're going to talk horses. You know, still keeping it in the racing world, but I got some good feedback from the Kentucky Derby breakdown where we looked at a bunch of different horses in that race. So we've got the Preakness coming up this Saturday. So why not jump back into that world again and see if we can uh, win some more money. So Medina Spirit was your Kentucky Derby champion. I got asked on Instagram uh, who I liked in the comment section of the, the episode. And I called out Medina Spirit as one of the two horses that I was throwing money down on to win the race, and lo and behold, they go out and win it. I really love the story behind this horse pre-Derby, and I didn't know about the story when I was recording. I was really just going through their, their stats and talking about how they're a bit more of a long shot, and I'm going to you know break down that story in case you haven't heard it, and then 
when you're talking about the Preakness, there's only one place to start, and it is Medina Spirit because of the controversy that has unfolded since the Derby. Then we're going to get into some of the other picks, and I'm actually going to have a, a trifecta that I like. I'm going to dish that out at the very end. So let's talk about Medina Spirit real quick as a horse because, like I said, this is such a, a, a interesting story, background, uh, because it's a Bob Baffert horse. You look at that and you say, all right, well, you know, Baffert is like the New York Yankees of horse racing. A lot of people hate him because he just wins. But who would have thought that he would have been able to pull off kind of like an underdog story with this Medina Spirit situation? So the, the full background of this horse, as I understand it, is that the owner of Medina Spirit back when it was a yearling, when it was one year old, was in the middle of a divorce and they just needed to liquidate everything. So instead of trying to, you know, they put it up for auction instead of trying to contest things and, and get as much as they can for it, the owner just said, hey, you know, whatever is out there, just bring it home. I don't care. I just need to liquidate this. They sold the horse for only $1,000, which is unbelievable when you think about horses just, you know, you, you drive down the street and you see a random horse in a field, I feel like you get $1,000 for that horse, excuse me. But in any case, the situation there, the, the person that bought Medina Spirit somehow got connected with the Baffert barn. And the way that big horse racing trainers use those types of horses, the horses that are not big names, they're not supposed to do very well, well, they put them up against the bigger name horses, the ones that are supposed to be you know, the big shots. And Medina Spirit actually was paired up with their best horse in the barn for the 2021 Derby. You know, these horses that are in the Triple Crown can only be three years old. So they knew that these were the horses, when they turned three, they were going to be the big dogs. Well, pairing them up, it's supposed to get the competitive juices flowing a little bit. And Medina Spirit was really giving this guy a run for his money. Now, the trainers were saying to Baffert, you know, hey, this, this horse, it's got some it's got some stuff to it. There's some juice here. And he just kept saying, okay, okay, you know, let's temper expectations. And they kept moving. And as time rolled on, he kind of rose up the depth charts a little bit. Now, what made it even more interesting was the fact that he was probably about the fourth horse in the stable uh, coming into this year's Triple Crown. But the horses ahead of him got hurt leading up to the Derby. So that really left Baffert with one horse, and it was Medina Spirit. He was supposed to have a few of them in the Derby. Well, all of a sudden, this underdog horse, who really wasn't supposed to be there to begin with, is now your go-to guy, and he goes out and unexpectedly wins the Kentucky Derby. I think that is just amazing, a $1,000 horse to the Kentucky Derby champ. So that's why I really like the story of the horse, plus the value. I mean, I cashed in big time with my ticket to win for the eight horse at the time. So now we go post-Kentucky Derby, wins the Derby, and controversy unfolds. So if you haven't heard this, late last week, or I guess it was early, maybe Sunday uh, of this week, Medina Spirit tested positive uh, in a drug test, and it was for a, a specific steroid. Now, a lot of people thought in the moment that he was going to be DQ'd and Mandelown was going to win the Kentucky Derby, but looks like after a lot of controversy and a lot of conversation with lawyers and officials, uh, he is still considered the Kentucky Derby champion. It seems that a cream to treat a fungus was uh, on his skin was the culprit for this drug test. It had a steroid in it. And 
pharmacists have said that it has absolutely nothing to do with performance. Now, the way that they're going to counteract this is, again, to my understanding, he's going to basically submit to as many drug tests as they want to give him. And if he tests positive, you know, two strikes, you're out. Sorry, bud. But, you know, they're saying that they're on the, the clean here and he's going to race and his, he's still triple crown eligible. So that all being said, I think I'm, I'm just such a sucker for the triple crown. I want to see it every single year. And he's going off as the favorite. Um, so now you, you take that whole background story and you win the Kentucky Derby. Now, what if that horse goes on to win the whole triple crown? Well, the Preakness is the next step up. It's a shorter race. Medina Spirit basically led the majority of that race, if not wire to wire. I just kept waiting for him to drop back, drop back. And this is a shorter race. He doesn't have to do it as long. So I really think that the odds are, are worth it. I always will bet on the Kentucky Derby winner just for the sake of cheering for the, the Triple Crown story. And just to throw kind of a, a darker edge to it here, I mean, what if this guy is juicing and they're just pulling the wool over everybody's eyes? Why wouldn't you want the juiced horse, you know, compared to everybody else? I don't think that he is, but I'm just saying. I mean, somehow, you know, he's juicing and they're tricking everybody and they're allowing him to race fuck like let's let's throw some money down on them and uh cash in with them so i'm you know all kidding aside i'm, I'm definitely all for medina spirit this weekend at the preakness so now let's talk about some of the other picks in the preakness the really big takeaway i think or kind of uh, starting point is the fact that the field is essentially cut in half instead of 20 horses for the derby there's only 10 and there's only a couple that are running that also ran in the Kentucky Derby as well. So some new faces to get to know um, around the, the other horses. But there is one that ran in the Derby that I think you're going to have to include in some of your tickets here, and it's Midnight Berman. He's going off at 5-1 to one to win the Preakness. He is what a lot of experts consider the bridesmaids pick. So since we called out Kyle Larson earlier on the podcast saying he's more of a bridesmaid than ever the bride this season and, and really always, I like it. I mean, he kind of fits the the narrative here on the NASCAR podcast. Uh, but, you know, his speed figure is 96, which is the, the fastest or one of the fastest uh, in the, the game right now, other than Medina Spirit. So he is someone that just always runs strong. He had a rough trip, finished sixth in the Kentucky Derby. But in all of his other races, I mean, he's going to be there in the end. And I think that he really has a chance to win the race. But I'm looking at him in my trifectas as well, just because of the fact that he has that experience. It's a shorter race, less traffic. I think he's going to be able to run a better race than he did in the Derby and kind of be there in the end because he is a strong horse and he does have speed. So now looking at some of these other horses, or at least a couple, um, Concert Tour is the second favorite. The jockey is Mike Smith here. And he's got some high speed figures as well. 94 is his speed figure, and or his career best, rather. And it's going off at 5-2 to two right now. I think that as we get closer to the Preakness, uh, more money will come down on him. It seems like, you know, if it's not going to be Medina Spirit, this is probably the guy. And he might end up being the favorite. Um, among the smart bettors, not just the, the public who are probably going to hammer Medina Spirit as we get closer on Saturday. But the smart money, from what I understand, what I'm reading about, seems to be coming in and around this guy. He's another Bob Baffert horse, so he didn't race in the 
uh, Derby, like we said, but he's back here for the Preakness. So the speed is what really gets people's attention with this horse. He has been outfinished by other horses, Superstock, at the Arkansas Derby. Superstock, you remember from the Derby, or the Kentucky Derby, rather. Um, he really uh, took it to Concert Tour in the Arkansas Derby. So that's the thing that's kind of holding some people up to say, like, yes, this guy's an absolute monster. But um, with, you know, what we know about them being in the same barn, Bob Baffert, Mike Smith, I mean, it's just too much to resist here. So he might not be the absolute winner, but I'm probably going to have to throw him into trifectas as well. The next horse that I want to talk about is the number four horse, Crowded Trade. 10 to 1 is his odds right now. We talk about on the NASCAR side of things when we're betting when we go to certain tracks do you like the career that the drivers had there or do you like the more recent races well that's kind of the decision you have to make here for this horse because you know he's had really strong numbers you know for his career very fast speed figure his career best is 95 which again is very fast compared to this field but uh he has come back down to earth a little bit and his more recent performances kind of have you wondering about this horse. So when you hear me talk week to week about guys who are you know good at the different tracks from a career standpoint, and you like that, well, this is the horse for you. If you don't really care about the most recent finishes, um, this is the horse for you. 10 to 1 is very good value here. So just wanted to call that out because of a similarity there that we talk about on a week-to-week basis. Now, if you're looking for some long shots, I'll start with Keep Me In Mind. He was a derby horse as well, and he had uh, got kind of shuffled back. This is a lot less field like we talked about. He, you know, really did not get off to a great start at the derby. He was actually dead last when they were coming up to the, the first mile, so he had no chance. I think he rallied back, though, finished seventh. So, could be a, a late closer here in this one. He's not going to be able to get off to a, another bad start because of how fast the race is or how quick it is. So with better traffic conditions at the Preakness, he might have a chance to slide into a trifecta or superfecta. Um, but 15 to 1 going off as the two horse, um, you know, that could be something if you're a, a sucker for the long shots. And then the super long shot is the one on the rail. Ram is 30 to 1. And this is interesting to me because I've read a few different things about him and people can't seem to find anything wrong with him other than the fact that he just hasn't faced big time competition. So, you know, kind of like a, a rookie coming up in a NASCAR, I guess. Um, but I think it's a little bit different for horses. You know, they could just go out and shock everyone. 30 to 1, I think that number may be because people just don't really know about him, but he has done everything that they have asked this horse to do up until this point. So, you know, that's something that I really like to hear when we're talking about betting on the horses. But uh, starting on the rail is going to be tough. We'll see if they can pull it off. I actually heard Randy Moss, the, the horse racing Randy Moss, um, go on and on and on about how starting from the rail really does not bother him whatsoever. He doesn't think that that is a downside to horse racing. And uh, so if you're someone who really wants a long shot, Ram, 30 to 1, starting on the rail, could be uh, something to, to consider. So those are the horses that we're just going to talk about here. I like my trifecta, uh, the one that I'm definitely going to put in. I'm going to box it up. Medina Spirit, the three-horse 
I'm going to go Midnight Bourbon, the five horse, and I'm going Concert Tour, the 10 horse. So three, five, and 10. Trifecta box. That's a $6 ticket. I know that, you know, those are some of the, the bigger names. I'll probably, you know, slip in the, the one horse and the four horse into some of my trifectas, but the, the trifecta that I'm definitely taking, that $6 ticket, is the three, the five, and the 10. Go out, lock that in, and let's come home. Going into the Belmont with some more money in our pocket. So that'll do it for this episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Taking a look at Dover. Let's go out, conquer the monster mile, play some monster bets, and we're going to be all squared away as we get ready for next week and some road course racing. So prepare for that. Hold on to your butts and make sure your wallet's full. So remember, drive fast, take chances, and we'll see you next time. Have no place to go. Have no place to go. Darling, have no place to go. Have no place to go. Goodbye.